0: true that was good wasn't it it's a really a joy to be able to sing together as a church that's one of the highlights of my week uh, for sure I'm not even much of a singer uh, personally I don't really have a musical bone in my body I don't think but man it is really a privilege to be able to gather together with God's people and remember what's true you've all gone through many different things this week so I'm really highlights and some low lights but we gather together and we're able to remind each other speak to god in song and remind each other of what is true i i love that uh, one song i'm so thankful to the music team for helping us uh, what a great line that soul though all hell should endeavor to shake i'll never no, never forsake What a a promise. Say that to yourself three times. That is just really good news. And it has been a real joy for us as a family, not only to gather together on Sundays with you and sing, but also to get to know many of you throughout the week. It's uh, been fun to meet some of you over Zoom and in your care groups for coffee. Uh, Please keep it coming. We look forward to more and more of that. I am here for your joy in jesus that's really why i exist as a as a pastor we're here for your joy in jesus and uh, we want to see you absolutely thrive in your relationship with god and so we know obviously that a big part of that is what happens here on a sunday morning as we're looking together at god's word and I know I've been kind of all over the past couple of weeks actually, but before we deep dive into one book of the Bible, I'm just wanting to talk about some of the basics to give some vision, what we're doing here, why we're excited, what we're pursuing and talk about some of the basics because we've got this great big message as a church, a turn the world upside down message actually. And the first thing I wanted to do was encourage you that we've got reason to be confident about it. And that was the very first Sunday. You remember, we looked at Luke chapter 24. And because we're the one institution on the planet entrusted with this message, we've gotta be willing to do whatever it takes to make sacrifices to get it out. We've gotta be on the move, you know? Let's go, let's take it out. And yet, as we go out there, it's not going to be easy. It's going to be uh, difficult. That's normal. And so what is there for us to be encouraged about? What is there that will keep us motivated? And that was a couple weeks ago, the beginning of Luke chapter 10, where we saw that we've got to make sure we've got our expectations straight and that we're remembering the privileges that we have as believers, no matter what happens in our ministry exactly. God's been so good to us. And so as we go out there to make disciples, that's our mission. We are followers of Jesus who want to help other people follow Jesus. And yet even as we say that, we want to be careful that we're not just getting excited about going out there and making more Pharisees because the world definitely already has enough religious people who are missing Jesus. And so last week we were like, let's just make sure we're not Just being religious, but actively exercising our faith in the gospel through pursuing humility in our everyday lives and by making daily choices that are based on an eternal perspective. Now this week, if you'll take your Bible and open to Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42, I want to keep going and talk about service. We're here to serve, obviously. We're here to do something. We've got the gospel. We've got this great, big responsibility. And we know it's not necessarily going to be easy, but we believe in the resurrection of the dead, and so we want to serve. If you're like me, you're excited, and you want to go, you want to do, you want to serve Jesus, and that's part of why I'm excited about this church, honestly, There are so many people here who want to serve and who are gifted to serve. You're you're really gifted. It's uh, unusual. We've got ability, we've got resources, and we've got desire. We've been blessed. And I know many of you, like me, are ready to go. What can we do? And yet, as we think about doing and serving and getting going and being on mission There's something that we need to stop and make sure we've got right first. Because it's good that we want to serve Jesus. Uh, Of course, serving Jesus is such a good thing. It's the only thing. It's life. But unfortunately, it is possible to get serving Jesus wrong. It's right. But we can get it wrong and we see that pretty clearly actually in this text that we're going to be looking at today we're looking at Luke chapter 10 verses 38 through 42 and I I guess I want to offer up a warning really like hey watch out because I know you've had a lot of good things going on at CBC all these years I'm amazed and I'm hoping we get A lot more going on in the next few years there's a lot to do for Jesus this is a big world and we should almost be antsy time is short let's get going let's do something that's why we're here on the planet right now we are saved to serve and yet we want to be careful that we don't make a fundamental mistake as we go to serve Jesus which will mess it all up and this mistake is so clearly illustrated in this story about two sisters mary and martha and the way they related to jesus and i love this story because it's a little bit like a parable it's a true story it really happened but it has such an important spiritual lesson about the way we go about serving jesus here at cbc it reveals some symptoms that something's going wrong In the way we're serving Jesus, that's first. It's almost like it gives us a test that we can take to evaluate ourselves. And then second, it it identifies the source of those symptoms. And this is important. What is the cause of the problem? And then finally, we'll talk third about a solution. How to know something's going wrong, what exactly is going wrong, and what to do when you see something's going wrong. Now, Luke writes, if you look at verse 38, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And I realize that this story is pretty familiar. We know it fairly well, most of us. And we even probably know the one who's making the mistake before we read the story. And just in case for some reason we don't, Jesus says it straight in verse 41 martha martha and obviously if jesus says your name twice like that in the gospels it's not a good thing and yet i want you to remember before we look at what's going wrong exactly with martha what exactly martha is doing right for one thing there's the fact that she's serving jesus and it seems with really good intentions as well. I mean, she wasn't someone like the lawyer in the previous story who was coming to Jesus with an agenda, Luke chapter 10, verse 25. She was coming to Jesus sincerely and identifying with him and his mission. And the word welcome in verse 38 tells you that. Luke says a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house, which has to do with hospitality. She's showing Jesus hospitality. In fact, what she's doing is exactly what Jesus had already said people should do as the disciples went out and preached. If you look back at the beginning of Luke chapter 10, Jesus sent his followers out proclaiming the kingdom. And you might remember how did Jesus say the people in those towns and villages were supposed to respond? Luke 10, verse 7. They were supposed to take the disciples in and feed them and take care of them. And it was important that they did, actually, because it was a way of them saying, we're in this with the disciples. We're with Jesus. We believe he's the promised one. And because we believe, we're identifying ourselves with the kingdom. We're welcoming his disciples in. And according to Jesus, that was a way of them saying, proving They were a child of peace, and that God's peace rested on them, which, of course, is what Martha's doing here as Jesus enters her village. This is not just hospitality. This is a statement of faith, almost, a confession. Martha is doing the right thing in the face of some opposition, even. As the Pharisees and others were turning their backs on jesus and remember welcoming jesus would have included not just jesus but also everyone who was following him as well which makes this welcoming not just right but fairly costly actually if you imagine the 70 or 72 being with jesus and the 12 disciples are there as well for sure and so we're probably talking about welcoming a hundred people into your house Or who knows how long, because you remember again how Jesus told the disciples, when you enter the house, Luke 10, 7, remain there, eating and drinking what they provide. Don't go from house to house, which meant the disciples were to be completely dependent on that person's hospitality. That was Jesus's plan, which would involve a sacrifice, would have involved a sacrifice for the person that was welcoming them into their home. And that was part of the point which meant this would have been a sacrifice for Martha as well, I'm sure. And it's one of many things that says this woman is a follower of Jesus. She's one of his disciples. And as you look at the other gospels, there's no question about that. She's not just here in Luke. She's also in John chapter 11 and 12 as well. And we'll see there that she believed in the resurrection. And you know the story about how her brother died and Jesus came and is comforting her. And she says that she believes in the resurrection of the dead. That's what she says in John. And you know what that passage also says? It says that Jesus loved her. This is John 11:5. You can maybe look it up later. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So we're not talking about an unbeliever here or anything this is a follower of jesus and you know she's busy serving jesus verse 40 luke 10 verse 40 if you can ignore the rebuke that jesus gives for a minute and focus on the positive you'll see luke says martha was distracted with what with much serving and i'm bold printing The words much serving it's not just a little serving she's doing it's much serving and what's more she even calls jesus lord verse 40 one more time but martha was distracted with much serving and she went up to him and said lord martha recognized who jesus was lord and she understood life was supposed to be about him not her that's why she invited him into her house and was busy serving him and yet In spite of all she was getting right, there are some signs in this story that indicate she was getting something seriously wrong. And I think those signs are important because it's easy if we're doing the right thing or doing the wrong thing. That's obviously a problem if we're doing the wrong thing. We know that's got to stop. But if we're doing the right thing, you know, it can be harder to see what's going wrong, and yet we all know it's so possible. We've been around Christians like that, who are busy, busy, busy. Sometimes we've been Christians like that. From the outside, there's a lot of good things, but you know how you, you know how if you've ever been there, on the inside, while you're, you're busy doing so many things, you know there's something not quite right, and This passage gives us some signs or symptoms that we can use to evaluate, maybe slow us down and cause us to think about what's going on in our hearts. And the first for Martha is the fact that she was distracted. Luke 10, 40 is what you might call an editorial comment from Luke, an inspired editorial comment. But Martha was distracted with much service. And if you think about the context for a minute, meaning the story that comes before, that's the story of the Good Samaritan. Luke brings up this story about Martha serving after Jesus told the story about the Good Samaritan. Because what was the Good Samaritan doing? The Good Samaritan was serving. In other words, he was obeying the command to love his neighbor, which is pretty much what Martha was trying to do here as well. And is important for us to do. Except her serving and obeying the command to love her neighbor is creating a problem. How do we know? Luke tells us it's causing her to become distracted. Are you distracted? That's a symptom. Something's going wrong. We're supposed to be busy loving our neighbor. But loving our neighbor can go wrong. And we know it's going wrong when we start getting distracted. And the word distracted basically means overburdened. And I think it may mean a little more than that, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But at least it means, as Martha was beginning to serve Jesus, it was beginning to feel like it was just too much. Which is a sign something's going wrong in how you're trying to love your neighbor. Because it's obviously not how you should be feeling when God is sitting in your house if you think about the story i mean it's crazy if you think about it how messed up our thoughts can get because while it's kind of easy to sympathize with martha at, at first especially when you're a lady because you're like how's she supposed to feel with all these hundred people in her house wanting food and accommodation and all that stuff if you've ever tried to put a meal on for 100 people you know that's a lot of work and yet While I guess you might understand how she's feeling at first, the reality is that if one of those people that's sitting in your house is the creator of the universe, then you know while there might be a lot of things you could legitimately feel, one feeling you really shouldn't be having is that of being overburdened. Meaning like, oh, this is so hard. Something is going pretty wrong in the way you're thinking if the creator of the universe comes into this world to die, to save you and to save the world. And he's sitting right there in your living room and you're in the kitchen at that moment, upset and thinking about yourself and all the work you have to do. Because you know, this is a privilege that's all it is it's just a privilege and you know it's actually a privilege not just for Martha at this point in time but for us as well right now because while we might not have Jesus sitting in our house physically we still get to serve Jesus and serving Jesus is still a privilege we don't deserve this to know Jesus to serve Jesus And while it's normal sometimes to to feel tired because we're humans, there's there's a lot to do out there serving Jesus. And that's even good feeling tired like that. We should be tired. Serving Jesus, getting tired is not a sin at all. And wanting to give all you have for Jesus is a good thing. I want to go down tired. I know that. But as we're doing All that for Jesus, if we're starting to feel like, ah, this is too much. I can't do this anymore. And the joy is just seeping out of you because you're distracted and overburdened. Then you better go back and look at how you're serving Jesus. What's going on? Because that's the first sign. We see here something's going wrong. Now, obviously, I haven't told you yet what's going wrong, but... This is the first sign or symptom that something is going wrong. We don't want to get serving wrong. What's a sign we're getting it wrong? Are we overburdened, distracted? Second, a second sign something's going wrong for Martha is that she's questioning Jesus. And these build on each other, really. She's overburdened. But how do you know that you're overburdened and not just normal tired? We know Martha is because... It causes her to start questioning jesus verse 40 but martha was distracted with much service and she went up to him which wasn't necessarily the smartest thing to do actually if she was really feeling like she had too much to do it doesn't make much sense for her to leave whatever she was doing to go and complain but i guess even if it wasn't smart we know the feeling how when we're overwhelmed we sort of want to just throw our hands in the air and give up and go complain to someone which is what Martha's doing here Luke says she left whatever it was that she was doing in order to go to Jesus and interrupt him it seems and say lord do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone which sounds intense and and we can give Martha a hard time and she deserves a hard time I guess But I should say, at least in the Greek, she asks him this in such a way that expects a yes answer from Jesus. Like, Lord, you do care. I know you care. She's not really pointing the finger at Jesus, but still she's asking the question because as she looks at her circumstances, it doesn't feel like it at that moment. And it's pretty shocking, really, that she would ever dare to ask this in any way at all, right? because I mean, Jesus is in your house. And again, that's God becoming man, and he's become man for the purpose of dying on the cross for your sins, and yet you're standing there asking him whether or not he cares. And that is wrong in so many ways, but it's not actually all that unusual, really, for people, even for Christians as they're serving Jesus and trying to obey the command to love their neighbors as themselves. I've found that sometimes, and this is a a big danger, when we're really serving people, we can get so wrapped up in whatever we're doing for Jesus that we kind of lose sight of Jesus. And so we start saying things that don't make sense, like, hey, Jesus, don't you see me down here doing all this work for you? Don't don't you care about what's going on in my life? I'm not saying that there aren't times when we can come to Jesus and say, I'm tired and ask some questions. But even then, we need to ask humbly and make sure that we aren't losing perspective. Because it's kind of funny, actually, as you look at Martha here serving. Why was she serving and so busy like this? I'm sure she would have said that she was doing all the stuff she was doing because she cares about jesus and yet what's happening all the stuff that she's doing is actually causing her to question if jesus cares for her something is going wrong and it seems like there's definitely a note of self-pity in the question that martha is asking as well and that's a third sign that we see something's going wrong with how martha is serving jesus and Honestly, us too. It's a sign for us as well. She's distracted. That's one. Are we distracted? And she's questioning Jesus. That's two. Do we angrily, proudly question Jesus' concern for us? And she's questioning Jesus because she's feeling sorry for herself, which is pretty ironic as well because she's trying to do what? She's trying to obey the command to love her neighbor as herself here. That's why she's serving. But at the end of the day, who she's loving? Who is she loving? All Martha's thinking about is herself. You see what I'm saying? What's supposed to be about others has become about her. And that takes some some skill, but most of us are professionals at that. We can take what's supposed to be about others and make it about ourselves. Like with Martha, as she's back there, wherever she was, maybe in the kitchen working, she's not thinking, oh, this is beautiful. This is absolutely what I wanted when I invited Jesus into my house because he's Lord. I wanna serve because I want people to be able to listen to him teach. And so what a wonderful opportunity for Mary. I'm so glad that she gets to be out there and sit at the feet of Jesus and listen. No, instead, she's resentful. Like, how dare my sister sit there and listen as God speaks in our living room? And it gets worse because she's not back there thinking, man, what a privilege that I get to make it possible for Jesus to be able to teach without distraction. I get to make it possible for people to hear God's word. Or even just that I get to give him and his disciples a place to rest I mean, I'm so glad that I'm able to be in here by myself because that means they're all out there and I love these people and so where else would I want them to be, you know? And and I'm so happy that I'm able to give them through my service something that they might not normally be able to get especially as Jesus is on the road to Jerusalem to die. Instead, she's just like, would you look at me? Would you look at me in here in this kitchen all alone? God's come to my house, and it feels like no one's paying attention to me. What's going on? And so she's just honestly offended. She's hurt. Do you not care that my sister has left me in here to serve all alone? Which, again, is the opposite of love. Something's going wrong when you start feeling all offended. You have to start looking at whether... You're really loving your neighbor as yourself because a lot of the time feeling offended is a sign that you're mostly just loving yourself, using service to love yourself. You may be serving, but something's going wrong. And you need to be more honest because sometimes it can be hard for others to tell. Like with Martha, the actions are there and it looks so good on the outside. And I'm guessing that most of the people looking on might have been saying wonderful things about Martha. Like, can you believe how she invited all of us in, and now she's back there working? Isn't she so loving? But if they did, clearly it was because they didn't know her heart, which is coming out here. Because while it might have started out that way, as loving Jesus and loving others, at this point, the person Martha is loving most is herself. And one big sign of that is the fact that she's not enjoying serving anymore she's just feeling sorry for herself instead and angry and bitter and resentful towards others like her sister her own sister which is why i think it's so important you know that we evaluate how we're serving because sometimes just the fact that we're serving makes us feel like yes we've got this and it's so good that we're serving but we've got to look a little closer Because sometimes our service has gone sour, and even though we're doing many of the right things, you can't fault what we're doing on the outside. It's gotten pretty ugly underneath and not very God-honoring because it's serving with lots of complaining and muttering under our breath and gossip and resentment and feelings of superiority towards others and anger and even doubts about Jesus and God's love and pride as well. Pride, pride, pride. Just because you're in a humble position doesn't mean you're not proud. I wish it was that easy. But you can be in a very humble position and still be so proud, like with Martha. And as we look at Martha, it gets even crazier because she's gotten to the point where she actually feels like she has the right to go up and tell Jesus what to do. And these are signs, I'm saying, signs, something is going wrong. We want to serve, but we don't want to get this good thing wrong. How can we tell? We're not just tired, happy tired, or even sad, happy tired. We're overburdened. We're not just praying and pleading and laying our hearts out to God. We're questioning, sort of pointing the finger. We're not rejoicing for the way that we get to serve others. We're pitying ourselves instead and upset about how they're not noticing us or serving us. And we're not asking God for help and strength. We're actually telling God what to do as if we knew better. And this is sign number four that something's going wrong for Martha here. Because you see, she's coming out of the kitchen at the end of verse 40, and she's making demands. Tell her then to help me. And you have to think about this, how crazy things have gotten. Because this is Jesus, who has come to Martha's house. And he's clearly teaching, which is why Mary's sitting at his feet, listening. And yet, even though Martha believes Jesus, and welcomes Jesus, and is a disciple of Jesus, she's become so distracted and overwhelmed by the way that she's serving Jesus, that instead of listening to Jesus teach here she's acting like she's come to the point where she can teach him. Jesus, I know you care, but you're not really understanding how things should work, so let me help you, which sounds incredible, actually, and maybe you're like, how dare you, Martha? How dare you? It seems crazy for a believer to be standing in front of Jesus, telling Jesus the way things should be going, but if we can stop trying to feel so superior to Martha for a moment and evaluate our own lives as we've been involved in service and ministry and loving others. I think most of us, some of us at least, maybe we'd have to admit there have been times where we've gotten so wrapped up in the urgency of the situation and the importance of what we're doing that we've stopped humbly coming to Jesus and asking for wisdom and help and direction. of course, Jesus loves. You need to know that. Jesus doesn't have a problem with us humbly coming and asking for grace to do what we've got to do. God's generous. He gives to all without approach. But that's not always what we're doing because there are times when we've stopped asking and we've started just talking and demanding. Like, we know better what's supposed to happen, what's good, what's right, how our ministry is supposed to be than the one who knows all things. And I mean, it can get embarrassing, really, if we could see ourselves sometimes acting as if we were God's God. You know something is seriously going wrong when the privilege of serving Jesus becomes only a difficult, hopeless burden. When you're looking in the eyes of someone who died for you and asking if he cares. When you've taken a way of showing that you love Jesus... And made it a way of loving yourself. And when you're acting like you know better than God what to do, those are four very clear signs. And in verse 41, Jesus gives us a fifth. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. And this is the previous four signs all wrapped up in one. It's the main sign. It's the one Jesus identifies. The others sort of just illustrate this one. You want to know, are you getting service wrong? Are you anxious and troubled about many things? And this is a little tricky sometimes because there are a lot of hard things that come up in life, especially if you're trying to serve others. There's a right kind of concern that we should have because people have a lot of issues that they're facing that feels so big and so urgent. And so there's no question that part of loving them is wanting their best and even weeping when they weep and feeling what they feel. We're not robots here. We, we care. But if we find ourselves troubled and anxious, what's that mean, do you think? You have to kind of press on that. It means, I think, if there's an extended pattern of serving without joy, and if it's only just so hard, and if there's a, a pattern of complaining instead of giving thanks, and doubting God's love and wisdom instead of thanking him for the opportunity. And if as you look at, the op- at your thoughts, what, what you're normally thinking, if you look at those thoughts, it's as if the biblical God is not in them. He's missing from your thoughts. If the majority of your thoughts are the kind of thoughts someone who didn't believe God was good and loving and wise would have. If you're looking at the situation and thinking, like, you have to fix it. You have to take it into your own hands instead of seeing it as an opportunity to trust God. If your mind is constantly just preoccupied with all the hard stuff you think you have to do and and panicked even as a result. That's like a big old warning sign something is going wrong, even if what you're doing is right. And Luke moves on and identifies the mistake we're making exactly. Those are the symptoms, distraction, questioning, self-pity, pride, and worry. But what's at the root? This is second. What's the source of the problem? And what's the source of the problem for Martha is that she's made a bigger priority out of doing stuff for Jesus, than she has of listening to Jesus. And this is important to hear right. But it's pretty clearly the point of this story because we see there's this contrast between the two sisters, Mary and Martha. And that contrast is kind of the answer. So while Martha's been busy serving, what's Mary been doing? Because I mean, she's in the same house and yet she's not exhibiting any of the signs that we've seen Martha's exhibiting at all. Like she's not distracted and she's not questioning and she's not pitying herself and she's not telling Jesus what to do and she's not anxious or troubled. Because why? Why? That's a good question. Because it's the same circumstances and yet there's a different reaction. So how could she be going through the same thing as Martha and not be experiencing what Martha's experiencing? That's the question. We think it's our circumstances. It's not our circumstances. Mary's going through the same circumstances but not reacting like Martha. Why? You know the answer. It's because she's sitting at the Lord's feet and listening to his teaching, which I think is the point. This story is a warning not to let all the practical concerns of life and even good concerns that are involved in loving one's neighbor and serving Christ to choke out your love for God and specifically your desire to hear his word. We need to serve. We need to go. We need to do. We need to love our neighbor radically sacrificially, but first, devotion to Christ. First, learning from Christ. First, listening to the word of Christ. Verses 39 and 40, Luke says, And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And this is actually a pretty radical thing that Luke's saying as well, because the phrase, sat at the Lord's feet, and listen to his teaching is a technical term. Apparently when scholars have looked at other religious writings in that day, they found that's like a technical phrase to describe someone who's acting as a disciple, which is not something really women did with rabbis, mostly men were the ones who were sitting at the feet of rabbis and learning. And yet Mary seen that Jesus is so important and his teaching is so vital that when he's come to her house, she's ignored some of those social and cultural protocols. And she said, the absolute most urgent and most important thing I can do at, that, at this moment is just sit here humbly and listen and learn as Jesus is teaching. Because for Mary, God's word comes first. And I think that's why this story is even put where it is. Because Luke wants to tell us something about our priorities. It comes right after the story of the Good Samaritan, which is about the importance of loving your neighbor sacrificially, at least in part. And it comes right in the middle of this section on following Christ, going and doing. Luke 11 through 14 are all about discipleship. But Luke says, first, let's talk about priorities. Because it doesn't really matter how busy you are. All the good that you're doing if your priorities aren't in order. And you have to hear this. Problems are coming. And by priorities, we we mean, of course, something that comes before everything else. That's the word, priorities, prior, something that comes before. And so when you're talking about priorities, you're talking about what in your life comes before everything else. And you have to get this straight. We have to get this straight. What is your one thing that's not optional? That's fundamental. What is our one thing as a church? And listen, right now we're not talking about two or three. We're talking number one priority. We're not talking priorities. We're talking priority. And we can talk like that because ultimately there's only one. Jesus says one thing is necessary which is beautiful because it means with all the difficulties that come in the Christian life and all the challenges and all the frustration and all the disappointments and all the demands, even with all that stuff that is pressing down on us. As one man puts it, there is behind all that or beneath all that just one simple thing that is to be the Christian's single greatest priority, which comes before everything else is fundamental for everything else defines, informs, and motivates everything else. And if you get it right, it's going to enable you to live the Christian life out. And if you get it wrong, even if you try to do everything else in the Christian life, you're going to mess it all up, which makes getting this right a big deal, obviously. And Jesus tells us exactly what it is in verse 42 when he says, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, But one thing is necessary, and Mary shows us what it is in verse 42. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. It's sitting at Jesus' feet, hearing God's word. And listen, this is important because I'm sure Jesus doesn't have a problem with Martha cooking, cleaning and doing all this other stuff, because those aren't bad things. They're good things and they're even necessary. And yet it was obvious to Jesus as he looked at Martha's attitude, the distraction, the questioning, the self-pity, the commanding Jesus, the anxiety, the worry, those were all signs something was going wrong. And what was going wrong was that God was in her house teaching. You hear me? God was in her house teaching. And that was a privilege. And a responsibility that has to take priority over absolutely everything else. And it wasn't for Martha. Somehow it it started seeming ordinary. Which can easily happen to us as a church. Especially, especially if we're getting busy serving. And we need to get busy with serving. But we have to be careful as we do because there are just so many things to do. And so many things people are telling us we need to do. And so many of those things that they're telling us we need to do are actually important. We can't say that they're not important. They are important. Like clearly loving your neighbor radically, sacrificially is important. If you read the story of the Good Samaritan, the one right before this one where Jesus ends how? He looks at this man who met a stranger and gives up basically everything for the stranger. Jesus looks at that man and says, yeah, that's what loving your neighbor means. And then he ends that parable by saying what? Go and do likewise. It's a a command. It's important. We need to go and do likewise. We need to love the stranger with everything we've got. And yet this next story right after is like, stop. First, stop. Are you listening? Are your priorities in order? Because get this, if they're not, you'll end up not doing either. That's what's so crazy. You can't really love your neighbor well without first loving God. They're they're connected. And not just connected, there's an order to them. James, Jesus' brother, is gonna warn later in the Bible. If you hear and you don't do, that's empty, right? So doing is important. You need to do, you can't just hear. But first, you need to hear. There's an order to this, and that order's important. It's not just semantics. You get this order wrong, it falls apart. And you see this all the time, actually. You meet someone who gets excited about adoption. And, and they want to adopt. And so they're all passionate about adoption. But they aren't sitting and listening and enjoying God's adoption of them. How many times does that go weird? It goes weird a lot of times. I've, I've talked to many adoptive parents who have struggled. It's a good thing, but it gets weird because you're not listening. Or say you want to go out and help the poor. You're all passionate about helping the poor, financially poor. Remember, there's a lot of different kinds of poor, but here there's a person who's focused on helping the financially poor. But you're not recognizing your own poverty before God and enjoying the gospel and God's grace to you. I am telling you, so often helping the poor becomes something very strange where you're acting like you are the Savior or you get burnt out because you've made doing something for Jesus more important than listening to Jesus. And it doesn't work. And so i'm saying here at the beginning at cbc that i know there are all kinds of things that we want to do that i want to do as a church need to do have to do as we look to the future we're excited we're here for a reason there are lots of problems in this world we've got the gospel let's go and we can talk about programs and ideas and activities but we have to mark it down it will all go wrong (laughs) If our single greatest priority is not listening and learning from the revealed word of God. If we're going to do something for Jesus, listening to Jesus has to come first. Which I know is probably very obvious to most of you. Because we are Cornerstone Bible Church. But the reality is we're living in a culture now where there's a lot of pressure to minimize the importance of spending time in God's word. Do you feel that? I feel that. It's like, what are you doing there? Just sitting. Do something. And we can feel that. Let's go. We need to go love our neighbor. There needs to be action. And yet, again, the thing is we're not going to be able to love our neighbor well. We're not going to be able to serve well, to do well. Unless first we learn to sit and listen. So what do we do? What's the solution? This is third. Symptom, source, solution. The solution is obviously not to just stop serving. We want to be a serving church. Hear me now because it's possible to get this wrong. If you're going to serve others, it's going to be difficult. That's normal. You're going to get tired. That's normal. The Christian life was never meant to be comfortable. Serving is going to always involve suffering. Just because you're suffering and tired doesn't mean you're doing it wrong. It probably means you're doing it right. Remember how Jesus was having to explain to his disciples in this whole context about the cross. They were thinking of discipleship without a cross. And so one of the big things Jesus was having to explain to them is that following me requires a cross. And a cross is not comfortable. So the solution is not to be like, oh, this is just so hard. I just need to stop everything so that I make sure I'm comfortable first. No, we're supposed to serve. And serving involves suffering. But how can we be a church that's marked by the right kind of service? First, we need to slow down and actually evaluate. Each of us, personally, we know this, but do we know this? Are you allowing the urgent things in life to keep you from the one thing that's most important? And if you're wondering, how could I know? It's not just that you're busy. That's not what I'm asking because it's not that easy. We should be busy. It's are you distracted? Are you questioning? Are you pitying yourself? Are you anxious? If so, don't make excuses. The world will give you a million different excuses. Google excuses for serving. I'm sure you'll find all kinds of excuses. You need me time. There's probably even songs about those excuses. But don't make excuses. Instead, repent and ask why. Why? What's happened? Because serving should bring joy. Serving God by serving your neighbor is like the biggest privilege we've got, it's huge. It should produce so much joy to be able to serve someone else sacrificially. And if it's not, something strange is going on and you have gotta look at why you're serving. Because it's funny with serving. There are good reasons to serve and bad reasons to serve. And sometimes we even start out with good reasons to serve and then we move over to the bad reasons. And we're doing the same thing For the wrong reasons and one of the big bad reasons that people get involved in serving honestly is because they want to be the hero and they're using serving to be the hero and the thing is if you're trying to be the hero you're going against the whole flow of the gospel because the good news is that jesus is the hero and even as a church we're not the hero jesus is the hero We're here to point people to the hero, which is one reason why we need to all make a plan. How do we not get serving wrong? Evaluation. We have to evaluate ourselves. It's not just the serving that's causing all the self-pity and uh, bitterness and resentment and feeling overburdened. Something's going wrong. What's going wrong? God, open my heart and expose. Is it because I'm wanting to be the hero? Is it because I'm making loving my neighbor really about loving me? We repent and we make our plan. plan. We make a plan. If we believe listening to Jesus is really the one thing that's necessary, what's our plan? Or more uh, specifically, what's your plan? And I'm not talking about just ticking off a box here. We all like to tick off boxes. Like, look at me, I had my quiet time. I'm talking about in faith, seeking to listen and learn from Jesus. Reading our Bibles, it's like God is in our house teaching. And so we need to make a plan to put understanding his word and communion with him first. Do you have a plan? I'm talking about developing daily habits. This is so simple, (laughs) but I'm talking about developing daily habits that are in line with what you actually believe. That's why so often we feel like the world. Have you ever wondered? Like, I know reading, my, I know listening to God's word is supposed to be fi- first priority. But why am I so overburdened? You know why a lot of times we're so overburdened? We've got the, the words right. We can say it right with our mouth. But if you l- look at our daily habits, our daily habits are not actually based on what we actually believe. They're based on what the world believes. <laughs> So, we've got all these habits, these ways of living that are based on the world's beliefs. And so, it's no surprise we feel like the world. And so, what I'm talking about making, when I talk about making a plan, I'm talking about going back to what you actually believe. You believe in the Bible, God is speaking, and starting to develop habits of life that actually match up with what you say you believe to be true. And, and I, I, I'm, I don't want to make this too complicated. We believe God speaks through his word. And so I'm asking, do you spend time listening to Jesus on a regular basis, communing and enjoying Jesus? In other words, are you making listening to God's word the single greatest priority of your life? You're a doctor, you're a teacher, you're whatever. I know you're not necessarily a pastor, but you are Jesus's disciple. And one of the best ways to show Jesus you love him is to listen when he speaks. And the thing is, I'm convinced that's also the best place to start if we really are gonna love our neighbor as well. How can we get serving right? First, listen. If we're gonna be a serving church, we wanna be a serving church, But serving others well starts with really listening to Jesus. And listening to Jesus starts with making a priority in the middle of the busyness of your life. To sit at his feet in faith praying and expecting him through his word to change and transform you. What a privilege, right? Out of the whole world, out of the whole world, God's chosen to reveal himself to you. God came up with a plan from before the foundation of the world to reveal himself and his son to you. He's chosen you to be his people. He's given you his word. He's given you his spirit so that you can understand his word. Jesus prays for you. The Holy Spirit intercedes for you that you might see the glory of Christ. This is the greatest privilege of life to be able to hear from God, to be able to commune with God. Is this the greatest priority in your life and in our life as a church? Let's pray. Father God, we just want to say thank you that you still speak. You use uh, stumbling, bumbling preachers. Uh, You use ordinary moments as we're sitting on our couch with our Bibles open. You use all of those opportunities to speak to us. And Lord, we pray that you would make us a church that listens, that really listens, not just to check off a box and say we did something, but because we we prioritize you, Lord Jesus, and we want to hear from you. We want to do, Lord, but first teach us to listen. And we pray this, Jesus, in your name. Amen.